Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, point of sale. Yes. Uh, one of those things that has changed a lot over the years. Yes. Did you ever work retail or mm, restaurant? Restaurant, or like yes, absolutely. Uh, Electronic cash register is what, what I Yeah, use. point of sale systems are pretty different than they were oh, back in yeah. our day. Like, Very I much remember so. the giant clunky machine. Yep. All in one kind of thing yep. with a huge full size keyboard on it and a giant cash drawer. Yes. yes. Monitor running with was like DOS oh, or something. So you were high tech. No, well, I, I, I'm talking the electronic cash drawer. Oh. It's like buttons and just one little LCD screen. Well, you are a little older than me. Thank so. you. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> anyway, point of sale has obviously changed a lot over yep. the last couple decades, yep. let alone the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so today we're going to be chatting with uh, Brianna Moriarty from Star Micronics yep. about some of the trends happening in the world of POS uh, that have changed from the last year, what's to come, basically kind of a, a, a prep session mm-hmm. for the, the rest of this year and mm-hmm. beyond of what mm-hmm. you should expect out of POS. I like it. Uh, I, we're going to dive into, we're, we're actually uh, going to be feeding off an article from the Star blog, in fact, yep. uh, and we're going to dive into things about, you know, hey, online ordering, how's that affected things, mm-hmm. uh, tech adoption rates, what are we looking at there right now, health mm-hmm. and safety, where is that still a concern, development. Uh, self-service, all these kind of little trends that are, that are oh. impacting the way we approach POS and hopefully can give our, our VAR friends some uh, some tricks and tips and tools that they can use to go out and maybe reinvent some business with some of their existing customers. And maybe even some comfort that they're going in the right direction. Exactly. You know? I mean, it's, you, when you're seeing trends, you want to make sure you're in the right trend. I agree. There all that go. plus our usual value of the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. <laughs> Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, our guest today, Brianna Moriarty. She is the partner development manager for Star Micronics, and she's a fellow podcaster. I know, right? She is the creator and host of the Rising Stars podcast for Star. So nice. It, I love to get a fellow podcaster on here. Gets uh, understands what we do. Yes, uh, right. You know, understands the the struggle, the, pain, the struggle, the pain. No, she probably <laughs> thinks this is all breeze. Like, what are you guys talking about? What are you complaining about? <laughs> Brianna, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to where you are at Star, and maybe your your day to day life, and also maybe a little bit about you know why you started your podcast. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I'm super excited to be here. I've been with Star. Micronics for almost six years now. Um, I started with them as the kind of like a marketing coordinator. I I wrote our blog, I did our social, and um, through that, I became really interested in all the ISVs that we work with. Um, So from there, I've kind of evolved into the partner development manager. So today, I work with our ISV partners um, on different business development initiatives. Um, I run our partner program, which is our Empower program over at STAR to help them you know, grow their businesses through marketing activities, um, connect with bars in the channel, all those good things. Um, and as you mentioned, I am hosting the Rising Stars podcast. Um, I kind of decided to start that mostly because I spend almost all of my time while working listening to podcasts. <laughs> Since I've started, we've started working from home during the pandemic. I just have podcasts on in the background like all day. Um, So I thought, you know, 
it would be a great way for people on the channel to easily kind of consume information about different trends. And um, especially, you know, in the last year, everything was changing so quickly. Um, people need an easy way to kind of consume that that content. So I thought it would be a fun way to do it. Um, I've always, you know, thought about starting my own podcast. So I said, hey, why not do it? Um, Star. There you go. That's awesome. So, I love it. Great. Boom. Just like that. Well, and just <laughs> like Dean and I also are are podcast consumers, you mm -hmm. know. And and honestly, mm -hmm. when we we talked, you know, the beginning of last year or late the year before about starting our own podcast, I made mm -hmm. a point of I'm in because I mm -hmm. love podcasts. I've always wanted to do one. And, and you know, and I and I think that's very important. I think, you know, for if there's anybody out there listening who's ever considered doing their own podcast, or maybe you're thinking like, hey, is that a, something that our company could do or find some use in or benefit in? Just find people that love podcasts, that mm -hmm. listen to a lot of podcasts, mm -hmm. that enjoy podcasts, that are passionate about it and want to do it because that will make everything a little bit easier when oh, someone's yeah. excited about it. No so. doubt about it. And they're important. I mean, yeah, you know, from an education standpoint and keeping the conversation going when you can't go out and meet people and all that exactly. kind of good stuff. Kind of hit it at the right time. But yeah, podcasts very educational in my in my estimation. Yeah. Very much so. so yeah. Oh, and, and you know, and I also appreciate Brianna that you have this kind of this marketing background, and that's a lot of what led mm -hmm. you to you know. Uh, the way you approach your current position in your job, I, you know, I, we talk a lot about the synergy between marketing and mm -hmm. sales and, mm -hmm. and how well they fit together. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think you're a, a perfect example of, you know, how you can take that kind of background and apply it to things that will improve and the sales and the overall breadth of your company and what you can accomplish. Yeah. So yeah. glad to hear that too. Yep. Well, hey, uh, so this article we're going to get into, it's from the, uh, the actual, the star POS blog. Uh, and it's an article, in fact, by Augusto uh, Ashekopar, yes. who we are quite familiar with. What was he? Uh, he was like he was early on. He was episode I, six or something I, like that. He, I don't know. He was one of the earliest episodes we we put out, but I think he may have been literally one of the first guests, or if not yes. the first one that right. we actually recorded. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I think we were all at home Poor at the Augusto. time still. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go back and watch. I mean, okay. <laughs> Listen it's to that podcast for Augusto and stuff right. like that. Yeah. If you listen to that podcast, listen for him for his brilliant insight on things. <laughs> Don't listen to us very much because uh -huh. I'm sure compared to what we do now, it yeah, sounds well, awful. You know, hey. uh, but we've, we we've were grown on and learned. At yeah, the point exactly. Time. We've yeah. learned a lot since then. So right. this is called POS trends to expect in the second half of 2021. And uh, what I'm going to do here is just kind of we got five trends here. I'm going to kind of run through each of these individually and and. And, and ask you a question, Brianna, that kind of, you know, can help us flesh out a little bit what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So trend number one is the ongoing online ordering boom. Uh, and, and, you know, this is kind of self-explanatory. You know, the last year, whether it was these, you know, pivots that had to be, you know, had to be made in order for businesses to to survive, to keep their, you know, to, to stay in business at all. Everybody made these these shifts and these pivots, but now that we're kind of coming back out of this, there may be some debate and question among some of these businesses about, hey, is this something I still need to continue doing or want mm -hmm. to continue doing? And it looks like the data mm -hmm. showing is that, yeah, you probably should because people are coming to expect this. I think we've all we've all learned to love this. I loved it. I you know I I loved it before it was a thing that everybody was doing, and I love now that there's even more options than ever. So. How do you see this continuing trend uh, helping our VARs reinvent business with maybe with their restaurants and retailers they're currently working with? For sure. Well, as you mentioned, you know, online ordering isn't a new thing. Obviously, it kind of accelerated during the pandemic because it was the only option if you wanted to not cook at home, if you wanted to get um, food from elsewhere. So, you know, something that is really commonly talked about in our industry with VARs is recurring revenue. And while you know, this might be not be your standard idea of what recurring revenue looks like. Um, 
you know, I don't have the exact stat offhand, but we all know it costs less to keep an existing customer than to get new customers. So if you look at these bars, they already have all these restaurant and retail customers that they've worked with for their standard POS or kitchen um, printing systems. Now they can kind of go back to these same customers and say, you need online ordering. And if you look at it today, a lot of, um, you know, independently owned restaurants, they're not just using one online ordering system. You know, they might have a lesser known software that if you go to their website and you want to order through them directly, they might have like more of a lesser known um, software, something more independently owned to place those orders. But then if you go on DoorDash or Uber Eats, you might find them on there too. So a lot of these restaurants, not only do they need to implement online ordering, they need to be on multiple platforms so that people can easily find them. So as we know, um, you know, there aren't a lot of aggregators in the market today. So each one of those platforms that they're integrating needs printer it needs a tablet it needs the hardware so that's a great way for vars to you know expand their business with existing customers and then of course creating the recurring revenue through paper or what have you um more consumable aspects of that that restaurants are going to continue needing over and over again um so that's kind of you know how i see the online ordering boom continuing and any restaurant that hasn't implemented online ordering by now, I'm not sure how they're still surviving, but it's something that they need to do. <laughs> I agree with that. I Definitely. mean, when you look at that, we, we saw the trend happen. And even the high end uh, white tablecloth, you know, restaurants, mm -hmm. you can you can order online yeah. for those, too. I mean, who thought you could buy a $70 steak yeah. online well, <laughs> and, and have it. it cooked? But uh, Brianna, Brianna I, I like where you were going there because, you know, obviously, you know, you walk into a restaurant and just staying in the restaurant of vertical right now. Yes, everybody sees it. I mean, Skyline Restaurant is one of those restaurants here locally in Cincinnati that's like just one of those local things. But even they have the DoorDash, you know, iPad sitting there. Bling! It goes off all the time. Bling! Right. But... You know, I, I, I would I wouldn't uh, be surprised if they were looking for their own option too, where you can go right. to the Skyline website and order online there. So I really think that resellers need to be cognizant of that fact yep. that, that there is going to be a desire for the restaurant tours. Not all of them want to play with the big guys. You know, when we've talked about just the fees associated with yep. with some of those and it's it's a killer yep. i mean they had to do it because they had to do it early on in the pandemic but now that that dust is settled and yeah they've got that business going i would not be surprised if a lot of them move online ordering is not going anywhere no. but 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 the experience can be improved they can move it under their umbrella i mean if i was marketing even for a small restaurant company like a like a skyline here locally i mean i'd be all in on yeah we need to do our own ordering under our ecosystem so we can control the customer experience and and do it better there's another right. one here locally called the roses uh pizzeria they've done it very well online yeah. uh but and they've been doing it, it for quite some time honestly anyway, for yeah. quite some time but so they were you know pizzerias were a little bit of ahead of the game right. because they're used to the, the whole delivery right I mean, right that's <laughs> the only thing you could get model, delivered yeah. was pizzeria maybe chinese food but that was right, it you right. know five years ago now anything you can get delivered so anyway the, the trend's going to keep going there i think the trend of getting away from the big guys is going to happen as well yeah. um so 
I, I just think that resellers need to be cognizant of that and, and tap into some of the ecosystems. I think Star does a really good job of tapping into the software ecosystem. I mean, obviously, it's a, uh, it's a part of Brianna's, Brianna's role, but, you know, you, you have to sometimes you're getting into new spaces and you need new partners to make that happen as well. Um, so it's key to be yeah. able to do that. Let me throw another one. I'm going to throw a little curveball here and get out <laughs> of the starting. I know. Get out of the restaurant space, but go to the retail space. Let me let me read you this. Research has shown that, shown that 74% of consumers rely on social media for their information to help them in future purchases. On top of that, 43% of consumers are likely to buy something after learning about it on social. So, and, and Brianna, I don't, you know, when you think about that, you know, social selling like a product marketplace on Facebook or mm -hmm. Instagram now has shoppable posts or mm -hmm. Pinterest, you can have buyable pins. These are all things, by the way, I didn't really know existed. So <laughs> I'm not into Pinterest. I don't know that world. Uh, but but you see where I'm going right, with this? Right. I mean, you, you know, obviously you have to be Sell cognizant. Sell to them where they are. Right. That's always a key, a key aspect. I think so. That's where they're looking and that's where they're that's where they're interacting with your brand. Give them the opportunity to buy from you at that touch point. Well, think about the the small reseller, or I'm sorry, the small retailer in whatever you know here in Cincinnati, wherever mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Um, they're getting into that social selling as well, and and so you know, I just think it's unique about how that needs to be in the conversation, I right. guess, around how is that going to manifest itself? I don't know, Brianna. Have you seen stuff like that or social selling, or what? What do you? What are your thoughts on that? How companies are. How yeah, companies well, are I mean, you guys are speaking to a millennial female over here, so <laughs> I know all about social selling. <laughs> um, you know, I, yeah. Yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm scrolling through Instagram and there are a hundred ads being thrown at me on um, local things to buy based on my search history, um, you know, and, and there's the shopping feature. I try to steer away from that. Um, just for my wallet's sake, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, you know, online ordering, it's, again, it's not just restaurant, it's, it's becoming more relevant in the retail space, um, not just through e-commerce, standard e-commerce platforms, but buy online, pick up in store, kind of creating that omni-channel experience. Mm -hmm. And I do want to take it back to kind of the restaurant food industry just for a second, because I, I had some follow-up thoughts um, to what you were saying, you know, now it's not just a restaurant that you are door dashing or ordering your Uber Eats from. Um, I'm from New Jersey, so Wawa is really big here. Um, that's kind of like our convenience store. Um, you can door dash Wawa, you can door dash um, things from the grocery store. You can kind of do it in a lot of different aspects. Um, you can door dash things from the pharmacy if you need, um, you know, shampoo or something. <laughs> you run out and you're too lazy to go out. Um, it's a big thing in like bigger cities. Um, but then on top of that, what you were saying about, you know, the fees with DoorDash and Uber Eats and some of the big platforms, yes, that's definitely um, been seen to be an issue for smaller restaurants, but it definitely improves their visibility. Um, for me personally, I go on those apps and I just search Mexican food and I am usually ordering from a place that I've never seen or heard of before. Um, so I, I kind of see both points there. There are pros and cons, um, but it's definitely really good for the restaurant 
wants um, visibility and marketing um, to be on those platforms. Oh, 100%. No um, doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it, it opens up a whole world to them. And it's not going away. Right. You know, Uber Eats is not going away. Right. And DoorDash is not going away. But, you know, once you get those customers and you want to maybe control that uh, type of thing, I mean, I could see myself hopping over. Oh, we feel like whatever, Skyline tonight. So I'm just going to go to the Skyline site. If right. I want something new and unique, okay, maybe I'll go to DoorDash and see what they're offering today. So, yeah, we're all going to start using all of these things yep, you know, along the way. But it's interesting, Brianna, there, I mean, the back of house is so critical, you know, having the knowledge of that. Because it doesn't matter if you're social selling. It doesn't matter if you're a restaurant or a retailer. You know, having visibility to inventory and those types of things is critical. And so if you're just a straight POS reseller, look for those areas. You know, look for that that area to, to grow your business and your offer to your current customer base because they're going to need it. If they're going to yep. stay alive in this online world, you got to have that. I agree. Oh. Well, I think this is kind of an interesting Sorry. segue also into trend number two here, which is the faster technology adoption. Mm. And as Augusto put it in the article here, complete solutions and intuitive user experiences have become essential. And although price will most definitely always be an important consideration in any technological deployment, now value and having the right solution have risen to the top of the priority list. Mm. And what this makes me think of is, and Brianna, you kind of hinted at it a little bit when you talked about, you know, what you know, what people might have been doing during the pandemic. Uh, maybe they got themselves on DoorDash because they needed to do it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they, they threw something together in order to, to just, to, again, to stay alive, to stay in business, to stay afloat. Maybe they adopted some technology that they weren't necessarily overly impressed with, but it got them through mm -hmm. what they needed to get through. And now mm -hmm. they're ready to maybe make that shift and realize, hey, this stuff has to stay, but I think we can do better than what we have. But we also need to get it done quickly, and it needs to be fast, and it needs to and it needs to work, and it needs to be the experience that we expect. So, you know, how do you think that's going to impact the type of solutions that we offer to customers? You know, if we're going out there and they're saying, you know, hey, we did this, but it's not perfect. We think we could do better. We'd rather not use the DoorDash and Uber Eats, or at least not be the that be the only thing we rely on. What can you do to help us? How does how do we approach those conversations? Yeah, for sure. So I think, um, you know, as a whole, our our channel, you guys have probably talked about it a lot on your podcast. I've talked about it on my, a lot on mine is just kind of what's happened in result of the pandemic. And instead of just focusing on that, we have to think about what's going to last forever as a result of the pandemic. And these complete solutions, these future proof solutions are definitely one of those. So you know, everyone's been trapped inside for however long and we're starting to get back to some normalcy. Um, but, you know, we, we've become kind of spoiled by the convenience of being able to, you know, do your shopping at home, order your food at home and not really have to go anywhere. So no one's going to kind of get back to dining out and going to those retail stores and unless the experience is really good. So um, that's been a big part of, you know, the need to upgrade technology um, during this time. And I think I use the word future proof as in, um, you know, you look at some of the legacy systems that have been used, they, they crash on you, whatever, it, it just causes a bad consumer experience. And, um, you know, by future proofing your technology, making sure that it's not just going to um, do what you need it to do during a pandemic that's going to last however long we, we don't know, but it's going to last for years after. Um, so I think that's kind of what we mean by like the faster um, 
adapting to technology. And I think software plays a role in there, you know, just to throw the cloud out there because, right. you know, you can't get away from the cloud. Yeah. Right. But there's a lot of move to, to, to cloud. Just to get, rattle off a couple stats here, 61% uh, of quick serve restaurants in the U.S. have already embraced cloud-based POS, and 60% of new merchants are asking for cloud POS rather than legacy POS. And I think what cloud, I think part of what people, I guess, merchants or restaurants think that cloud will bring them is some flexibility on the technology mm -hmm. side flexibility, whether it's going to online or whether it's the analytics behind the scene or whether it's tagging in their back of house, whatever it is to adopt to those technology trends that are happening, you know, on the hardware space, right. you know, cloud adaptation is there and, and it's definitely being asked for. So, you know, be cognizant of that too, that, you know, if you're talking to customers, you already have customers. Well, many of them, if they're looking to pivot and looking to go new, 60% of them are probably looking for cloud-based Yep, I agree. Yeah, so. Well, and Brianna, I like also that you're obviously the emphasis on a full solution here, yeah. too, and mm -hmm. being able to go to somebody and say, hey, we're ready to, to bring in the full solution. I'm not just here. I'm not just showing up to sell you a printer today. I, you know, I've got all these other partners I work with. I've got great software companies that, you know, are in my pocket here. And we're coming to you with the full solution, not just piecemeal stuff that I'm trying to like wedge in there for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think the other interesting <laughs> point too you made is this idea that uh, of, of experience and the customer experience. And I imagine that can be a great you know, selling point to, to get in the door there and, and find out like, hey, what are customers saying about their experience with ordering from you right now? Mm -hmm. uh, if you do, you know, if, if you have been doing this and maybe you are not using the ideal solution or, you know, something's not really working as ideally as you would like it to, what are your customers saying about it? Because you're right, that can be a huge, a huge selling point for us to walk in the door and say, look, I know that your customers probably don't like what they're experiencing with this interface right now, or you know that the the platform or the way they're they're able to order from you is not ideal. It's 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 clunky. It's hard to navigate the menu. Uh, you know, you're constantly getting people. Or I've had this happen where I've ordered stuff and then I get a call from the restaurant saying, "Hey, we actually don't have that in stock right now." Like, well, mm -hmm. your site said you did. <laughs> you know, so that's why I ordered it. And like, would you like this instead? Like, sure, but. That wasn't why I ordered this, right. you know. Yeah. So I, I think that's bad be customer a, experience. Exactly. Right. I, I think that's going to be a great selling point. You know, if if, if you oh. and it might just be as simple as before you go to your customer, you know, go look at their reviews on Yelp or on Google mm. or something. And I wouldn't be surprised if you find some in the last six months to a year or so that may make reference to, you know, all oh, the website's terrible or the ordering system's terrible or I ordered X and I got Y or whatever. And maybe that's the kind of stuff that you can go to them and say, hey, I think we can help you out with this. Here's mm. the solution that we have. For not them. rub their face in it. Right. Yeah. Not like, <laughs> like, hey, I see that you guys have you two stars on use. Yelp right now. Yeah, you obviously right. suck. So maybe we can help you out. Maybe not be that blunt about it, but just like, hey, I happen to notice a couple of reviews. It sounds like some people were disappointed with their their interaction with your website or yeah. your ordering app or whatever. Can we, you know, is that something we could maybe help you out yeah. with? Yeah. You know? and, and getting back to seriousness, you know, on the on the tech adoption, some, going back to the software side, you know, loyalty programs, we hear a lot about that. But, you know, in cloud-based POS, obviously integrating some type of loyalty, uh, you know, it was always surprising to me that they very popular nationwide Mexican food chain that didn't have a loyalty program until like a year ago. Right, right. You know, and, and of course now my son, who that's his favorite restaurant, is like a whatever mega user and it's got all kinds of points and right. blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I think that other restaurants and, and, and even retail to a certain degree are going to have to respond to that. I mean, there's so much good that can come out of that. Right. You get business intelligence out of it from a restaurant perspective, you know, the analytics that you can kind of chew through. So, 
well, you know, when you M- think about McDonald's it. McDonald's yeah. is just getting ready to roll it out. Well, I there just, you go. Okay. I just saw, I, I think I just got You mean a very popular bur- well, American right. burger? But <laughs> let's be honest, they, even they recognize, <laughs> hey, it's important to have a reason to draw people back in yes. and, to bring, and to bring business back in, especially, right. again, as competition's increasing, as what we think of as fast food and quick service mm-hmm. is changing because yeah. maybe you don't care as much about how fast you get your food when you show up at the restaurant if you're ordering from home. We just there's that uh, expectation yeah, like, hey, right. it's probably gonna take half an hour to an hour before I get my food anyway. Yeah. Why not wait for something great from this place rather than maybe ordering the same old fast food I might mm. get from a fast food joint? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a perception maybe that people are is changing. And I think companies like a McDonald's and other maybe fast food restaurants may realize like, ah, yeah. We gotta we, we need this is just here. one more place where we might be losing some business. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, maybe now we need to up our ante a little bit by offering some incentives and rewards to come back and shop with us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, what do you think of there, Brianna? Because, I mean, I know you guys get into like customizable receipts and stuff like that. I mean, I, obviously you're in tap with merchants and, and restaurateurs that, that are really trying to embrace that part of it. You know, the whole, I guess I'll just, yeah. I'll, I'll lump this under the marketing bucket, you know, how these entities can help market themselves a little bit better. Are you seeing some trending going on there as well? Yeah, well, what I kind of was thinking of when you guys were just talking was the idea of experiential retail um, or restaurant mm. experiences. And I think people, you know, hear that word and just associate it with these big um, experiential, you know, kind of things like AI or, um, you know, things of that nature. And it's really just a seamless experience. So, you know, experiential retail, it doesn't have to be um, this big thing. It's just kind of, you know, going into the retail store, being able to get your your items and seamlessly check out, or like you said, with the restaurant, you know, you get there, what you ordered is what you get. Um, you don't have to worry about um, things being out um, or having to wait however much longer when you get to the restaurant for your food. It's just kind of a seamless experience. So, um, that that's kind of something, you know, when we think of marketing, um, you know, you don't necessarily lump those two together, but the experience that people are going to get when they go to your business is essentially, you know, the, the word of mouth marketing, um, reviews, things like that. That's, they all kind of tie back to one another. Agreed. Tech needs to enable that frictionless, I'll use that word, frictionless experience because you're hitting the nail on the head there, Brianna. I mean, that's what people want, right? If I go to their site and they're out of whatever, you know, sauce, don't put it on your site so that I don't have that bad experience. All all anybody wants is, I ordered this, I go pick it up, it's in a fresh, clean little box and stuff like that. It's everything that I ordered. That that is (laughs) omni-channel. Well, that's, you know, good customer experience. Maybe not omni-channel, but that's that's good to customer experience and that's what people want right so i'm with you it doesn't have to be this big idea of uh, you know what is the user what is the customer experience it got to be this disneyland type of thing no 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 no. people just want a frictionless experience right. and and want it done right and well and consistently yeah. right and yep. yeah this is what you told me i was going to get okay that's what i got and I we're good to go yep i agree uh trend number three health and safety Uh, And, you know, there's an obvious background to this that we all understand that, hey, you know, everybody was trying to stay healthy. People were trying to socially distance. Uh, We wanted to make sure that, you know, as our food was being handled and as it was being delivered, that there was Mm -hmm. no transmission of germs, you Mm -hmm. know, along the way that we felt good about all that. But 
that doesn't mean, you know, and obviously we're not out of the pandemic yet, no, you know, right. we're, we're not at the point where we can all just ignore that anymore. You know, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a level of comfort that if you've been vaccinated, obviously you can have, but it's still an ongoing concern. And more importantly, it's not the only thing where health and safety is still an issue. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Brianna, you know, why is this still so important, you know, as we turn the corner on COVID and maybe and start to reopen, you know, why, why is health and safety still going to be a trend, even as we feel like we've kind of gotten out of the the major concerns about COVID. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll kind of start off by saying this. I personally am not a germaphobe. I never get sick. Like it's never something I've been concerned about. But you better believe that I am sanitizing my hands. You know, every time I leave a store, every time, um, you know, there's a hand sanitizing station available now. Um, I'm definitely paying attention to people that might be coughing or, you know, snotty little kids touching things and, you know, I'm staying away from it in public. So I think everyone has just become like so much more hyper aware about, you know, the germs that are being spread because of the pandemic. And as you mentioned, you know, COVID, we're starting to get back to normal. Um, People are getting vaccinated. Social distancing has helped. But that doesn't mean that bacteria and viruses are going, um, you know, you have the common cold, you have flu season. Um, Unfortunately, there's other strains of COVID. So these health and safety products, um, I think there's something that probably should have been there long before this pandemic and people are going to become more hyper aware of keeping both their customers and employees safe. Um, So STAR, we we previously, before the pandemic, did not really offer health and safety products, but we quickly realized that this was something we needed to include in our offering so that, you know, as retail stores, restaurants, really anything, um, I, I see a big need for it in like amusement parks and zoos, stadiums, um, you know, those those places where people are crowding, especially now that everything's back open, everyone's dying to get out. Um, so it's really important that everything is kind of kept protected and there's that peace of mind um, that if you are going out with the kids and doing something fun, you know, you don't have to worry about coming home and the whole family getting sick. Yeah. Absol- I, I, yeah, I'm just going to say a hard agree here because we we've established on the show that I am the germaphobe here to some extent. <laughs> yes, you are right. Yes. Uh, and and I've always been prone to catching random colds and stuff here and there. I I was just telling our producer before the show I've had two colds in just the last two months or so. What the heck? Since like you know masks started coming off and my and my son's daycare reopened to let started letting parents back oh, in. Oh, there it is. And the, That's uh, the petri dish. And the, and yeah. the teachers took their masks off and everything yeah. too. And like even though like yeah I'm you know I'm vaccinated so I. I feel a little better about the whole COVID thing, obviously, but it doesn't mean that when I'm still around other people now, I'm like, great. Now, you know, all your other germs are still coming my way. (laughs) And I was the guy long before all of this that when I would go grocery shopping, something would come out of the store and just lather up on the the hand sanitizer. I was more than happy to do that. But, you know, yes, to your point, I think we are very aware of this. I hope it's something that people continue to be aware of. It it is. That that proper hand washing hygiene. And, you know, and, and and just, you know, looking out for others, you know, not, you know, running around, you know, in public places when you're sick with anything now. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that's a an ongoing thing that people understand. And I, and I appreciate that we're starting to think about that in our business as we think about, hey, how do we how do we go out and sell solutions? And, you know, how do we make sure that, you know, what we're offering is going to contribute to that health and safety of people, too? Well, I, Brianna, I like where Star went during this whole mm-hmm. pandemic and the pivot over to some maybe non-traditional stuff. And I'm just going to throw out some other things that we talk about all the time here. What reseller isn't interested in recurring revenue, yeah. 
at a high margin. Yep. Okay, I got one for you. Tamper-proof labels that, that go on the boxes yep. or the paper bags of restaurants. You know, Star pivoted into that world. Have They have a great product there. They even have the dispensers where, you know, you can – it's it's easy. And, yep. and once you offer that up to your end user, to, to your restaurant, because they're all getting in the game. They all have takeout and stuff like that. But how they can sharpen their game is to make that look a little bit better. I mean, we were talking about yeah. just a couple – podcast ago that you know from the user experience side i had a recent delivery at home and it was nice and buttoned up you know they had the tamper proof label on it the bag was purposely folded it wasn't like some dude just like crumpled it up up and and threw it on the (laughs) shelf right you don't want that you're like what is that what is that all about so restaurants i guarantee you are getting very cognizant of that user experience and it's very simple a nice folded bag with a tamper proof label on it boom if you're not talking to your customers about that and in in offering those types of solutions there's just a small 10 degree off center pivot uh, that you can get into recurring revenue, right? Because they got to keep buying those labels. (laughs) Oh, gee. Oh, darn. And it's (laughs) higher margin stuff that you're probably selling on the hardware. We love our hardware vendors, but uh, obviously people make a little bit higher margin when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's a win-win. But that's how you can leverage what's what how our society has changed a little bit. Health and safety is everybody's got a, just a different optic on it now. So it's not going away. Um, yeah. and, and be involved in that and have some solutions that can speak to it. Yep, I would agree. There you go. All right, uh, let's see. Trend number four here, affordable and simplified development. Mm. Uh, so I'll kind of read quickly with this mentions here. The development side of the industry is also experiencing changing POS trends. Uh, development phases are accelerating, and software partners are developing across plat- uh, using cross-platform tools like Star Expand SDK on the React Native platform, cutting development time and cost in half. Uh, so, you know, I guess the big question here is, how does this impact software partnerships? And I know this is very much in your wheelhouse and in in what Star's expertise too, because you have such a strong network of software partners. So, you know, this this expectation of simplified quick, cost-effective development. How's that impacting your relationship with with software companies and then also by extension, our VARs? Right. So, I mean, kind of, again, going back to the pandemic, um, you know, ISVs have really felt the pressure to, um, you know, advance their solutions to offer online ordering or e-commerce, anything that kind of would work um, for their retailers and restaurants to basically survive the pandemic. And, you know, I go back to that word future-proofing because it's not just something that they needed to do as a result. It's something they need to do to keep businesses, you know, coming back to them and invested in their software um, for years going forward. So that's something, you know, I think they felt a lot of pressure in the past um, year, year and a half to adapt their technology and, you know, start, as you mentioned, we're, we're really, um, an ISV first kind of co- company. So we develop our um, Starprint SDK. We recently released our Star Expand SDK. So these make it really easy for ISVs to um, integrate our hardware. Basically, you know, we set it up. So once you integrate one Star Printer, you've basically integrated all of them. They kind of operate on the same SDK. Um, so we're trying to make it really easy and affordable for these ISVs to make that quick shift towards. Um, again, future-proofing their technology. 
and we've talked about it. That's what resellers are looking for. We t they talk about their tech stack, or we talk about how right, they should have right. a tech stack of available solutions, and, and that's what they want too. They want yep. frictionless, and and so those that on the software side that can that can do that, uh, that can simplify that process and integrate very very easily, are going to win. And yep. and that's what exactly what resellers are looking for. Let's go down a little bit of a path here because you know one of the areas that that's going to manifest itself is stuff like AI. You know when you read about what's happening in the marketplace. I'll just throw a couple stats out at you. 15% of US businesses are already using AI integrated POS systems. So so you got 15%. To me, that means there's a lot of opportunity there, right? Because we've talked about AI is really not going anywhere. Yeah. It's just going get, to keep getting stronger. So 85% of the market doesn't have that. 40% of 18 to 24-year-old consumers are willing to let AI help them with their shopping needs. So you know, that's just a commentary that, sure, the younger generation, more comfortable with right. AI. There's stuff like that that's going to be happening in the background that's going to enable these merchants, these restaurants to be better, faster, more responsive to their customers' needs. So, you you know, that's going to play. So they're going to look for, you know, partners that have simplified processes and that can integrate into their tech stack very, very easily and comfortably, uh, you know, just so they can perhaps facilitate. Facilitate AI for their end users in that in just that one use case. So, it's it's important, uh, and and I think Star does a great job of embracing again the software community, making it easier for them through their SDK to integrate. Those are the types of partners that are going to win moving forward. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. agree. It's it's it ain't going anywhere. Nope, it is not. Uh, all right, and then finally, our last trend here, number five, the continued rise of self-service kiosks, and the the big stat that jumped out to me here: sixty-five percent of customers are willing to visit restaurants if self-service is offered. Uh, and I, I I kind of agree with this. I, I mm -hmm. it's one of those things I've always enjoyed. Uh, you know, as some of the the big chains started, you know, adding in self-service, I I was fascinated. I love the idea of being able to walk in somewhere, not have to go stand in line and get up to the counter and place your order or mm -hmm. feel that pressure of like oh, i gotta pick something i'm looking at all these choices <laughs> they're staring at me they they're they're annoyed they're getting they're not getting paid enough to sit here and stare at me wait for you know you want queso with that order. yeah no exactly. no do you want no <laughs> uh you know or you know the the not feeling that we've talked about this before the whole pressure of you know like hey maybe i feel like you know biggie sizing my right. meal today yeah exactly i don't want anyone <laughs> judging me about it or something so <laughs> Self-service is, you know, is something people are appreciating, and you're starting uh, to see that trickle down into into smaller, you know, restaurants, yeah. even even retail stores that mm -hmm. are, you know, are, are doing this now, where you know either you can, you know, find out where a product is in the store, or mm -hmm. if they don't have it in stock, you can order it and have it shipped to your house. You mm -hmm. can check out by yourself. Love all that stuff. I've always been a fan of that. So, you know, how do you think that that customer expectations are are kind of impacting the kind of self-service platforms and hardware that we're offering right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of want to talk about this from both the consumer and the restaurant or retailer standpoint. From the consumer side, um, you know, as younger generations are making up more buying power in the U.S., I think, you know, younger generations, we grew up with machines. We're just more comfortable interacting with a machine than a person, um, unfortunately. So that is something that I think is really driving people to um, adopt the self-service. It's just easy. It's like, you know, playing on your phone. Um, it's, it's such a simple concept. Um, like you said, you can order whatever you want, customize it without, you know, getting the glares from the cashier across the counter. Um, you can add on whatever you want without judgment. Um, so I think it's a more, a more comfortable, um, 
way of ordering for younger generations. And then in addition to that, it just creates a more frictionless um, flow in, in the restaurant space. So if you're talking about like your fast food, fast casual places, um, you know, when they get a big lunch rush, those lines can be backed up really long, especially if you have a new cashier that's maybe on their, their first week that's taking the orders. Um, they might need a little extra time to enter that into the system and people get impatient, they get cranky. So self-service makes it a lot more um, of a smooth transaction. Um, it's also more efficient in that you don't have to worry about someone mishearing you, entering your order wrong. You know, you can at least have the peace of mind of going back and saying, this is exactly what I ordered. It wasn't on me, it was on you. Um, so I think, you know, consumers are definitely becoming more equipped and more expectant of that self-ordering um, kind of experience, especially in that QSR, fast casual type of environment. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, two okay. words I wrote down, on-demand society and customized. So yep. kiosks bring that to the to yep. the forefront. It's on-demand. It's it's ordered the way I want to order it, right. you know, and, and I can see it on the menu. It's, yes, that's exactly that, the way I want it. There's no loss in translation. Right. Like you pull right. up to the drive-thru and it's like, yep. what did you say? Yeah. And, oh, no, I got pickles on my burger. <laughs> no, I said I want... <laughs> I said I want a burger and I want some fries. Right. Okay, so six burgers, six fries. <laughs> no, I didn't say six at all. So, you know? so kiosk takes all right. that mystery away, and then exactly. and then the whole customize, right? I mean, we're we are a society that likes to customize what we have, and we we feel like. You know, okay, I see that you have a burger, but I'm going to make this my burger. Well, okay, right. with your secret sauce, sure, but this is the way I want it type of a thing. So um, it's cure, um, obviously trends that are happening, and I think kiosk services do that. But there's a lot of technology around kiosks as well mm -hmm. that's starting to advance and make that whole user experience even better. I mean, you can integrate peripherals around it uh, and things like that. You can integrate it into back-end systems. So just a lot's going on there uh, on, from the kiosk perspective. Yeah, hard agree. And, so. you know, and the studies also clearly show that when you have these self-service kiosks, your your average ticket is is bigger, bigger, yep. because mm -hmm. you know the the kiosks never forget to upsell. Yep. You hey, know? you want dessert with that? Exactly. Yeah. They don't forget that kind of stuff. Again, that comfort level of people adding on or doing more, mm -hmm. that stuff is always there. So you know, it's it, it's it's proven. It's shown you can make more money out of self-serve kiosks. So there's no reason why not to to have those in your organization. Yeah. Um, and again, it can be a great a great way to position yourself when you're walking in to talk to your customers about how to expand their business and what's next. Mm -hmm. so. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, hey, these have been some great trends. Uh, I will post the link to this blog so you can read the full piece. But I you know I think we've kind of covered quite a bit of this here. So, yep, absolutely. Uh, before we move on, I want to, as always, thank our uh, Tech Connect members and sponsors. Thank you so much to Star for sponsoring this particular episode. Uh, hey, as always, of course, if you want to reach out to us, if you have some thoughts about the episode, if you want to uh, give us a little bit of feedback, first of all, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe to our channel so that you can see when new episodes come out. If you are listening uh, on the podcaster of your choice, hit subscribe, leave us a review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Give us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. Find out what you like about the show. Mm -hmm. All right, you can tell us what you don't like about the show, too. Maybe save that for the other channels, though. I don't, yes. I don't want to bring down those reviews. You can find us on Twitter, at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, let's wrap up, as always, with our recurring segments. First, the value to the VAR. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss this one to you, Brianna, first. Uh 
you know, what should resellers be talking about with their POS customers in order to capitalize on these trends? Like what, what would you do if you were a reseller right now and you were walking into some of your, your local, maybe small to midsize uh, restaurants or retailers, and you're armed and equipped with these, these topics and trends, and you want to engage them in a conversation, where does that conversation start? Sure. I mean, I'm going to keep it kind of blunt and simple and say you either need to evolve or die in this new space. Um, you know, consumers are becoming really um, demanding of the type of experience that they want. As we kind of talked about throughout the episode, um, they want a seamless experience. They want the option to self uh, order. They want, um, you know, the option to even if you're in a retail store, maybe you don't want to talk to um, the person on the sales floor, you just want to go up to an information kiosk and kind of see what's going on, see what's available. If they have your size in the back, like think about that. How nice would that be? So I think, you know, these independent um, restaurants, retailers, although, you know, we can all see that it's not necessarily easy to implement um, a crazy amount of technology, just doing the little things um, to improve the customer experience. And it all does link back to technology, the technology that STAR offers, the technology that our, our ISVs offer um, is really what's going to keep them successful um, as we see this huge consumer shift in experiential um, retail and restaurant and the flexibility of being able to basically do everything from the comfort of your home and your laptop. Yeah, absolutely. I'll throw a couple more out there as well, because we didn't really get into it today, but uh, like uh, mobile payments and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There's one trend that I don't know, because you and I have talked about it. We've had this like journey together. Mm -hmm. that, right. You know, now that we have our smartwatches right. and and we remember back people fumbling through and, you know, trying to make a payment with their smartwatch right, right. or even their phone, you right, know, trying right. to waft, tapping, wafting. Right. What is it? It's not working. Well, I think all that's changed now that if you walk into an environment and, and you're at a in whatever, a POS system that doesn't accept that, right. you know, the retailer or the restaurant's the one that kind of has egg on their face at this point. So it's like, you know, you're just slamming your phone or you watch on there. Hey, why is this thing not working? Everybody around you is like, yeah, why is that not working? Right. Anyway, I think there's been a trend there. So you, you need to be able to capitalize on that. We talked about a couple other ones, just the customizable, you know, enabling your customers to be able to customize their experience, whether it's through label, whether it's through the software, through, whether it's through back of house, that's a trend that's going to continue to to move forward, especially in this online environment that we're all kind of coming out of. And uh, it, those aren't going away either. So capitalize on those trends. Uh, and I think you'll be well positioned for the future or you'll die, it, right. to put it in as bluntly for <laughs> as Brianna I, did. I appreciate that bluntness, that evolve or die aspect. <laughs> because seriously, like if you if you were walking into a, a store or restaurant and they're telling you like no we're just we're gonna do brick and mortar uh we we prefer to just do everything you know personally we believe in you know in face to face for everything and uh we only take cash you know like if if that is the model that you're going by for, for one i'm surprised you're still open and even in existence right and if you are you're not gonna last much longer and i think it is this is one of those situations where it's okay for you to tell somebody like look you know the the world is changing it's been changing already and I don't think you're going to make it very long if this is what you're going to stick to. So let's talk about how we can how we can keep you afloat. I I, I don't want to see this this awesome corner store business that has been you know around for 60, 70 years 
that everybody loves. I don't want to see you go away as, you know, the population, you know, is aging out that used to come here and, and, and the younger generations that grew up with these with this technology are expecting it from you and, and you don't have it. So yeah. and as it technology doesn't hurt to be blunt about that. Absolutely. As technology solution providers, we need to be on the edge and offering those up because as right. certain parts of the country continue to open up, you're you're dead on. You know, the, all the incentives and all those things that were there to keep those companies afloat uh, through PPP and stuff like that. I mean, they're going away. So right. now they got to start fending for themselves again and those that make it and come out of it are going to have to react to these trends and have those yep. solutions in place in order to do that so lean on us lean on great partners like star the, the resources are there to help you uh so that you can help pivot your customers yeah, too yeah i agree so, yeah all right let's wrap up with our favorite segment uh, what's tech connecting with you this is where we talk about something in the world of tech science innovation that's caught our attention that has us uh interested this week yep brown i'll start with you what's tech connecting with you right now? Yeah, for sure. One that really sticks out to me, um, and people probably don't think about this much as technology, um, is the buy online, pick up in store um, type of approach to omnichannel. Um, I've seen it really picking up um, since the pandemic. It's personally uh, an option that I've always preferred. Um, I actually talked about this on a recent Rising Stars podcast. I hate waiting on shipping. Um, you know, every business in the world today is competing with Amazon. And when you look at one or two day shipping, sometimes even same day shipping, how do you compete with that? So if someone can order something online and then go pick it for pick it up from your store later that afternoon. That's just so convenient. You get people in your store. Um, and usually when I do it, I'm making additional purchases when I'm going to pick up my items. Um, so it's such a good strategy for retailers to adopt. And it makes me really excited to see um, it kind of finally taking off and being successful. Um, you know, we see it mostly with larger chains. I think it's something that um, smaller SMBs can adopt as well, um, especially if they already have some sort of e-commerce platform. It just makes it that much more um, simple for them to continue driving that in-store traffic. Um, again, create a little bit of a, an experiential um, type of approach to their their business. Um, so I, that's something that has really stood out to me um, over the last year or so. Yeah, Agreed. not going anywhere. Nope. Right. Buy online, pick up in store. Not at all. Very much so. All, all right, right. I got one for you. you? Uh, CRISPR. I've talked a little We've bit about, about no, I'm not talking before. about crispier fried chicken. No, I know. I'm yeah. talking about the gene editing tool, CRISPR, actually Cas9. Well, I was reading another article out there that, you know, so it's a gene splicing tool is what it can, and it's advancing very rapidly. Apparently, some people have become, so this one guy, Patty Doherty, has become the fifth person in the world to have cells deep inside their body altered by gene editing tool CRISPR Cas9. Uh, it's it's the first time that somebody's done it where their whole body was infused with the CRISPR tool. So uh, what that means is they're, they're, they're trying to see if it can have alterations on bloodborne illnesses and stuff like that. Um, so very revolutionary. So it's not just going in and doing one thing, but like, you know, curing sickle cell anemia or mm -hmm. uh, those types of things that are or in this one particular case, it, it dealt with proteins. A common trigger for heart failure, right? So it's like adjusting the genes and how it deals with proteins around the heart and stuff like that. I'm telling you, 
Uh, well, uh, anyway, just to read this out here, this this little trial that they did, it was only six people, but it had uh, dramatic effects, 96% decline in blood levels of protein and stuff like that. Uh, but anyway, to quote out of the article, this is not an incremental advance, said Fodoy Uveri, an expert in gene editing from the University of California, Berkeley. It's a wow. So they've really started to like dive into this whole, and, and it just, it's got me wondering where we're going to be in five, 10 yeah. years. I don't know is this is this tool gonna like cure most diseases and most things that that strike people like heart disease from you know too much fatty right, food and stuff right. like that oh we're just gonna inject your body with these CRISPR tools and it's gonna fix everything yeah you know it's it's like it's just fascinating what's happening I wish I understood it a little bit better <laughs> uh, because you know obviously when I saw CRISPR first I'm like fried chicken no it's not it's 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 really something pretty cool maybe they need some new branding there I don't know, if, you know. right yeah, yeah yeah well gene editing tool isn't the best I you suppose know. that yeah because that that's still that sounds very technical in a way yeah with yeah. the whole GMO thing and somebody you know. I guarantee you someone will come up with some kind of clever marketing oh yeah somebody this, were, somewhere know. yes it, right it, for some reason it makes me think of uh, in Jurassic Park the, uh, the yeah. There you DNA, go. Mr. DNA, you know, like, <laughs> hey there, you know, we're going to fix your sales, you know, so that's what that makes you think That's of. That's what it is. So anyways, really interesting article. Keep your eye on CRISPR. That's advancing so very, very, very okay. fast. What's that connecting with you? Uh, so here's some good news for the world of uh, renewable energy sources and maybe, you know, moving away from reliance on fossil fuels. Uh, most new wind and solar projects will be cheaper than coal, a report finds. There you go. Uh, so it says almost two thirds of wind and solar projects built globally last year will be able to generate cheaper electricity than even the world's cheapest new coal plants, according to a report uh -huh. from the International Renewable Energy Agency. Uh, the agency found that the falling cost of new wind farms and solar panels meant 62% of new renewable energy projects could undercut the cost of up to 800 gigawatts worth of coal plants, or enough to almost, or almost enough to supply the UK's electricity needs ten times over. Whoa! So uh, it's it's basically a lot of the costs for solar for onshore and offshore wind production uh -huh. dropped dramatically over the last few years or so. Yep. And so now it seems like the energy that those generate is actually going to be cheaper than what we're doing by coal. And I, I know that we are very coal reliant, you know, and, and fossil fuel reliant, uh, you know, worlding, especially country still. Uh, but this is some encouraging news for being able to shift away from that. And that a little bit of a tipping point here. Exactly. Huh? There and, you go. We knew it, it was going to happen. It's just a matter it, of exactly. time before those technologies. And, and let's be honest, yeah. if, I think if you can tell people that their bottom lines get better mm -hmm. and they pay less and save more and can and spend more money other places, I think that's going to start convincing a lot of you know companies that may be reliant on one type of fuel over another to start making those pivots and those shifts over time. And, yeah. and hey, let's be honest, we also know this is going to open up a whole new world of jobs. Yep. It's right. probably going to impact our industry. I imagine oh, sure. you know sure. a lot of these businesses are going to you know are going to need a lot of the types of technology that we sell. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. only a good thing moving forward, and that was some good news to hear. Yeah, and you know what? I don't need your fancy research to know that solar power <laughs> well, is getting true. Better. All I have to do is turn on my TV and I see. Have you seen this guy? I don't know, Marco. Have you seen him? It's it's it's, it's a solar power company. I don't. Oh, it's the CEO. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. He looks a little bit like a used car salesman. Right, he kind of right. comes off that way. Hey, you're looking for some solar energy? I got it. Let the sunshine. He's got this whole song right, and stuff right. like that. I'm thinking to myself, okay, solar's gotten to the point now where yep. maybe it is affordable. If we're, for if we're hawking it like used car salesmen, yeah, it must be a thing. There you so. go. <laughs> All right. Hey, that's what's tech connecting with us. Brianna Moriarty, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate having you on the show. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me. 
Uh, of course, unfortunately, we do have to unplug. So until next time, stay crispy and uh, stay connected. Thanks so much. We've learned a lot about germ transfer from services, especially those we and countless other people touch on a daily basis. Star Micronics is here to help by offering antimicrobial covers that are 99% effective against germs and viruses like E. coli, MRSA, H1N1, strep, the common cold, and more. Designed for restaurants and retailers, the antimicrobial covers are placed on high-touch surfaces. Safe to use and easy to apply, they reduce microbes on common touch points like door handles, checkout counters, and more to create safer surfaces for both employees and customers. To learn more, check out the link in the show notes or contact your star representative at Blue Star.